Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Flight School Pod. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Turner Medlicott, and joined, just as always, by Adrian Walker and Jonah Lossie. Uh, and it's been a full week. We're back in action. Uh, and we've had a lot to talk about today. Uh, but how are y'all doing? Go ahead, Jonah. Um, I'm... I've been pretty good, about as good as you can be for someone who had to quarantine for a week, saw the collapse of American democracy and had their tire blow out and about to stay in two days. But we, you know what? We're we're doing great because it, it was a pretty day. I went on a seven mile walk and we're just we're just soaking it in right now. I must admit it was a nice day. I didn't go out and go for a walk, but I did go out and go for a drive. Uh, just just to get out of the house and you know it's a good vibe. It's a good atmosphere today. But I have a feeling things might get a little tense when we get to the NBA section of this podcast. I just have a feeling. Yeah, I I, I, I could see that, especially it'll be more like this morning. I don't know about y'all, but it was uh, stormy as, as heck this morning. And then it became a sunny day. So ho- hopefully we have more sunshine this podcast than, than storm, but we'll see. Uh, but the sunshine of the past week, uh, at least I think for me, um, as we dive into the NFL, uh, was playoff football on Nickelodeon. And if you didn't see playoff football on Nickelodeon, you you missed out on maybe one of the highlights of 2021. Um, and I mean, from the slime zone to... Um, I don't remember her full name, but Gabby, like freaking out every single time they punted the ball. They made the most boring game of the wildcard weekend into something I ended up watching most of. And without them, I probably would have turned it off at halftime, honestly. Oh, yeah. Probably the most memorable game because there was some really good football uh, over the weekend, but by far the most memorable game well, except for those that were shocked about the Steelers-Browns, but in terms of just, like, what people are going to remember for years, I'm always going to remember the first time I saw SpongeBob pop up on a PAT or a field goal. And, like, I'm always going to remember thinking to myself, even when it's not Nickelodeon, I'm going to start calling the end zone the slime zone. Like, I'm, I'm going to now. I'm like, you know, it's, you know, we're first and goal from the slime zone. I, I absolutely adored it, honestly. And you guys saw I caught the broadcast like an hour late. I was watching it on the oh, old boring regular, I guess it was Jim Nance or whoever was doing the broadcast. It was fine, but it was an awful game. And then I turned on my phone and saw y'all tweeting about slime cannons and... <laughs> and young and young Sheldon popping up to explain false start and all this stuff and I was flabbergasted to say the least and I it was it was a ball I gotta admit yeah no I think me and Turner were racing on Twitter to to put out stuff about the the uh first down line marker graphic that they had which was like full of slime and then you had the slime zone (laughs) Uh, and and in the in the end zone, you also had the slime cannons. If they had a touchdown, everyone just flipped out uh, when when the slime cannons were introduced. I think I'll probably remember that the most out of anything uh, when you're talking about like memorable game. Um, it, I've never seen 
that many grown men and women who watch sports just get absolutely giddy over like this like the smallest things like i saw a tweet and it was um the daughter of an nfl analyst i forget what the who's the analyst name was uh, but he said the daughter was like "Ooh, slime the son was like dad what do you think about like the the bears chances on like the 20 yard line and the dad was like "Ooh, slime <laughs> and like that 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 cap cap captures like the whole feeling that i was getting i think what everyone was getting it was it was phenomenal i hope they do more broadcasts on nickelodeon because that was so much fun and i think the mvp of the of the of that whole um and probably my mvp of the weekend if i had to pick one nate burleson what a man oh absolutely it was awesome pure and and a genuine nfl star like a very very good wide receiver in his day 39 years old has has kids himself stuck it stuck his neck out there and did a amazing job on the color commentary and allowed the more intricate explanations breaking it down on a kid's like talking to your kids explaining things and Nate was sensational um, and I'm so proud of him kind of bucking these wrong stereotypes that have kind of been breaking ball for decades of like the strong man who doesn't have emotion and hate your kids. Kind of. um, Nate's like, no, I'm going to go talk about slime and SpongeBob during an actual NFL broadcast and everyone's going to remember forever. So deal with it. And shout out to Nate. I, I, that was brilliant. Yeah. I, I, I think we're going to have, more leagues probably joining in on some sort of production like that because of how successful it was. Uh, but to talk more of the actual football that happened, um, unfortunately for Jonah, we do have to talk about uh, his Steelers uh, dropping the ball uh, or just hiking the ball over, you know, big Ben's head uh, in their loss. Punting their season away. Yeah. Punt, yeah. Whatever yeah. they wanted to do to lose that game to the ground it it was one of those horror scenes in the first quarter that you just see literally anything that can go wrong does like you say okay like said snap the ball of your head touchdown on the first play well okay maybe go down and score interception and then like another interception and then you know four turnovers well five turnovers in that game um it you can't and they still almost came back and won which is absolutely bananas up 28, nothing. The Browns were and the Steelers. If they cut down their, if they had no mistakes the rest of the game, I think they win, which is just insanity. Um, I think the thing that hurts uh, really, I don't care about losing necessarily in terms of like, Oh, well, the season's over. I didn't expect, as you guys uh, have known, I didn't expect a playoff win or at least not a deep run um, this season, but, I think what made it so surreal is it felt very much like the Patriots lost last year where you're like, Oh wow. That's the end of an era. I think Ben's done. Um, the guy who snapped that ball, Marquise Pouncey has been our best uh, lineman um, and our probably our best center, second best center ever in franchise history though. They, they promised to retire together. And after the game, they were kind of apologizing to each other on the bench and, Juju and all these other players came up and talked to them after the game. And that's what was kind of heartbreaking, knowing that love him or hate him, Ben Roethlisberger has been Steelers football for our entire lives. Like, as much as I remember Cordell Stewart and Tommy Maddox, kind of, 
Ben was drafted in 2004 and has been the starter ever since. And, you know, I was, I was seven years old when Ben was drafted. Um, and now he might be done. And that's kind of shocking to see how the highs and lows of his career on the field, off the field. Um, it was weird to know that that's probably it in a very Dan Marino esque kind of way too, where it was kind of lacking in glory and you put up a lot of numbers but played really bad and got stomped by an inferior team kind of deal it was very weird and anticlimactic for someone who's had such a uh, stellar career overall and um that's really what hurts is just seeing that they didn't get to go out on their own terms in terms of like actually playing well they probably played two of their worst games despite throwing for 500 yards and multiple touchdowns him and pouncey probably had their worst games of the season in terms of being clutch and that a little yeah i i mean for my from my perspective it was a comedy uh but that's just because yeah. of my perspective of the steelers and, and you wouldn't expect any any less um but it also was you know to give the browns some some credit or not some credit they played amazing and then yeah. did the, they did the browns thing where they almost let y'all come back into the game despite going up 28-0 by the end of the first quarter. And, uh, I mean, the thing is, you're you're happy for the – I have a friend who's a Browns fan, of uh, an older woman of mine whose dad's a Browns fan. Super, super happy for them, um, as I'm sure a lot of people are. Um, But, I mean, they're going to – they're going to lose this weekend against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs. They're going to get steamrolled. Um, and yeah. uh, congrats to them, but you can't say that, I, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm, there are times in my life where I can equal the most petty people on earth. Um, in general, I try to hold myself to a standard of honor and respect, but I kind of want to see the Browns lose by 80. Um, <laughs> they're not going to, of course, but like, I want to see Pat Mahomes pay the, play the best game of his, se- of his season and throw for six touchdowns. And Travis Kelsey just casually like, you know, makes like a bachelor reference when he scores his third touchdown or something. Like, I don't know. I kind of mm. just want to see um, the, the chiefs obliterate them. And because you guys know, I was like, I, I was kind of overall the, the crap talk. It's this, that, and the other. But the Browns uh, had a lot to say about the Steelers having a lot to say. And they're kind of stepping in the same holes that the Steelers did where they're talking trash now. It's like, oh, you're a, you're in for it now. I think. <laughs> like, I don't I don't think you know, they know what they're getting into. Yeah. And I mean, I think we all believe the Chiefs are going to smack around the Browns. Turner, you're a Super Bowl bid for the uh chief seattle is already that, that that's looking in shambles bud i i am so disappointed in seattle i don't cheer for them very often because they're a division rival i have no reason to um we you know it's kind of died down recently but the you know when patrick peterson and richard sherman were at their the heights of their careers that was a pretty big uh, rivalry between the two teams and those two players. Uh, but I can't stand the Rams more than anybody in that division. We have not beat the Rams in like four or five years. So I just have so much built up like rage really for the Rams. Oh, and not to mention you despise Jared Goff. 
And I, yeah, I despise oh, yeah. Jared Goff. And he wasn't even he wasn't even starting the game. They're freaking I don't even remember his last last name anymore. Wolford. The quarterback was in, and then he got put to the hospital, and he was he was okay. Turned out to be just a precaution. I want to preface that before I move forward. But Jared Goff comes in with a broken thumb, and Seattle, whose offense has been humming, and they've got Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Chris Carson and. Um, Tyler Lockett and this offense that seemed to be humming all year and seemed to be able to, you know, win them that game looked putrid and they let the Rams kind of score all over them. And I was so upset with them because it's, it's funny all year Seattle fans were like, wait till Chris Carson gets healthy because once, once our offense is like running on, on all cylinders, we're going to be pretty much unstoppable. Well, that was not the case. I think what it was really, um, and if anyone can back me up on it, it's uh, Nathan Bernstein, our our fellow friend and uh, diehard Seattle fan. Um, but what happened in my eyes is very similar to what happened to the Steelers offense. Now, the Steelers offense had scored you know, 30 plus points and they're lost. But in times of the season, you could see a high powered offense with some of the best weapons in the NFL look like a dumpster fire like they couldn't get up and they couldn't get a first down they couldn't score and it really has come down to the offensive coordinators in both circumstances randy fickner i think is a little worse for the steelers and it was really been calling plays most of the time but uh, brian schottenheimer uh, probably shouldn't have a job <laughs> next week for being real and that and that would make uh, nathan very very happy um, I think when you have that amount of talent, you have a DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, two of the most consistent uh, wide receivers in the NFL, an MVP level quarterback in Russell Wilson, and you look that useless on offense, because it, it, it's easier to look better, look good in the regular season. Looking good in the playoffs is a different story, and uh, I, I'm not, I'm not happy with what the, what the I saw from. Schottenheimer and those Seahawks at all. Yeah, that was not amazing. not to hamper on it too long. Um, but if you think about it, like the Kansas City Chiefs weaponry versus Seattle's, I mean, you have Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, you have Travis Kelsey, DK Metcalf, you have Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, and then you have Clyde Edwards Lair or Chris Carson. Like Seattle's offense, every everyone talks about Kansas City's offense is how it's super high powered. Seattle might have a more talented offense if we're being honest. And I don't know if I would go that far. Stuff, but the the difference I think is the difference there is Travis Kelsey's kind of the deal breaker. Um, the Seahawks don't have anyone on Kelsey's level at tight end and tight end and their their use of the tight end is more like he's almost like a mix of a H back and a wide receiver Kelsey because he's so productive. Right. Um, and Hills like for like in terms of production to Metcalf which is hilarious because Hill is like 5'10", 190, and Metcalf is a Greek god. Um, but <laughs> it just goes to show it's not always about size. I mean, look at – we'll get to him later, but Devontae Smith is the best wide receiver I maybe have ever seen in college, and he's as light as Antonio Brown and taller. Like, it doesn't make any sense sometimes. So, yeah, I don't know. Um I, I, and the and kind of going on to what I one other thing I wanted to mention with regards to Seattle's Pete Carroll put a lot of it on Schottenheimer. Pete Carroll made some very questionable conservative decisions, 
And that was something we saw a lot this weekend. And it was really frustrating as a fan of football. It happened to the Steelers twice where we decided to punt on fourth down. I think the first punt was um, they, if you guys follow the, the surrender cortex, the center surrender index on uh, Twitter, I think it was the 99th percentile uh, the first time and 95th percentile the second time for the Steelers. Mike Vrabel had a hundred percent percentile and 99.9 percent percentile for the last 20 years, I think. Yeah, just just to put Vrabel's decision in perspective, for those of you who don't follow the surrender index uh, on Twitter, and you should, it's it's hilarious. There's even one that only tweets out when it reaches like the 90th percentile. It's fantastic, but Vrabel in the fourth quarter while losing by one score and not even a touchdown, like maybe like four points, I think decided to punt the ball on fourth and two on the Ravens, like 38. Are you kidding me, dude? In the fourth quarter, you're in a playoff game. Like who cares about field position? You're losing. You need to score. Time is running out. This isn't like, Oh, let's hope this we can get this to overtime because it's a regular season matchup, and we're like, no, dude, what are you doing? And I, 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 I say it a lot, mainly on fourth and one, any fourth and one situation, regardless of where you're on the field, but especially in plus territory, if you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to win. <laughs> so, and same for fourth and two at the thirty-eight. That's the same idea. If you can't get two yards when it matters, you don't deserve to win, and so that and plus if you punt and it goes into the end zone it's like a net 18 yard punt anyway so it's just like mind bending the decision and that was like the third or fourth uh coach to do something like that on the weekend and it was weird to see a lack of heart and creativity from a lot of these NFL coaches that are paying a lot of money to make big time decisions man that's that, that's probably a sign oh, we should we should move on from the NFL um, and on to the NBA, but it's going to be another fun weekend with the playoffs for sure. Uh, and we'll have championship games to talk about next week. So lots, lots more to come on that aspect. Um, now let's get down into the, the dumps and let's talk about the NBA and the, the biggest story over the past week or two or however, really the whole season is the Adrian starting Tyrese Maxey in his fantasy league. <laughs> Put up 54 <laughs> fantasy points. 54. Yeah. That's shout out. Adrian. All right, let's move on from the NBA. <laughs> um, anyway, is the difference between the the handling of COVID-19 protocols in the bubble, which was one of the smartest, well-run things that we've seen uh, during the pandemic uh, versus what's happening at the start of this season, uh, which is nothing short of an embarrassment. Um, we've had several games in the past week either be postponed uh, but before that uh, Jonas Sixers played with eight players seven players Mike Scott Scott suited up but um, basically what happened yeah Mike Scott's out and hurt but they suited up Mike Scott so that they didn't have to forfeit because they were going to make them forfeit if they didn't have eight players which is the opposite of what they've done for all these other teams, which they postponed the games immediately. And that's why I was so frustrated. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, no actual plan. The Sixers, the Celtics, the heat, the nets. Um, I think that the wizards haven't done it yet, but probably the wizards very soon. Um, 
any teams from the West that I'm not thinking of? The Suns? The Suns have any people? Not that I – It's. it seems to be weirdly an East-centered thing. I think it should If be they East. don't, they will. Like, that's kind of where it is right yeah, now. Right. But we're seeing we're seeing an avalanche of positive tests and just it sort of no plan like like Jonas said on what to do when half a team is either COVID positive or is you know quarantining because of contact tracing. Uh, they tried to do like seven team players, but that was silly and dumb. And now they're postponing games, but. It's just such a mess, and it's so disappointing, especially when you think about how well the bubble was run, and there were no positive tests inside the bubble. And obviously that's way easier to control than what you're doing now. You kind of expected positive cases to, to pop up. You, I mean, we've seen all the other professional leagues deal with it in their own way, whether that's been good or bad is, is a whole other thing. But just the way this is sort of avalanched this week has been so, so disappointing. Um, from the NBA. Well, and I mean, they, they just put out a whole new list of protocols today. Um, I think kind of everyone got tired of how, and I, I think the NBA kind of realized, okay, this is really, really not going well. There was um, problems coming out of the, the NBA players association. They weren't happy. Um, it, it, it's been a tumultuous time to say the least. So they just put out um, new protocols. I'll read a couple off from um, via Shams Sharania from um, Twitter. Uh, NBA players are now only allowed to elbow or fist bump when socializing pre and post game and maintain six feet of distance. Um, There's a new face mask rule where all NBA players must wear masks on the bench at all times, including the locker room. Um, for at least the next two weeks, NBA players and team staff are essentially entering an in-market bubble. So um, when they're at home or when they're playing at home, they're going to remain in residence at all times, except for exercising outside, essential activities and extraordinary circumstances. And when they're on the road, they have to stay in their hotel unless they're practicing or they're at the game. Do Y'all remember the panic that went across the league trying to fix figure out contact racing when Rudy Gobert tested positive. Like, oh my God, he in Toronto and he was, they played Washington and it's like, and they, it was panic stations and like the entire league shut down because of one positive. <laughs> Meanwhile, fast forward a few months, like, oh, of course, like a year, Seth Curry is sitting on the bench moments before he tests positive. They finished the game. <laughs> And then they tell some players later that they should quarantine. They've played, the Sixers have played twice since then. They play again tonight. Like, it's the fact that they're letting this, that was like a week ago, not even. Like, the fact that they're so lax with it has been crazy to me. And I don't know. It just seems like we've lost sight of that so much. Um, and like a lot of American Americans and American general is people are have used the excuse of being emotionally fatigued for doing things that make no damn sense. Yeah, but that um, that 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 that's no excuse for yeah. a professional league that's supposed to be setting the standard um, for safety and and making sure that that their entertainment um, is not only a good product but is also a safe product. Um, and 
you would think when you I hadn't even thought of the whole Rudy Gobert situation. I mean, the league, the NBA was the first league to shut down um, following all of their contract contact tracing stuff. I think they shut down on March 15th. And that was when there was hardly any um, like coronavirus cases in the United States. I mean, yes, it was surging at that point in time, but comparatively to right now, like we're at the height of, of deaths and, and cases like discovered each day, um, just in terms of like the U- United States population. Um, and so you would think right now they would be even more concerned and even more careful than they were when they shut the entire league down on March 15th. But, and it's been the exact opposite scenario and that baffles me. Uh, if for yeah. those that were curious, we had a, um, a cash of 220,000 plus cases in the U.S. today alone. <laughs> just just for those that are curious in those landmark days, yeah. North Carolina had over 10,000 cases for like three straight days. And I, I think we could we could just talk about our disappointment for a while, but I think we should move on. Um, but I, just to end this, I, I think Jonah's right. You know, we we hope that it gets they get things under control uh because they have been a beacon um until until now uh during this entire thing so um while it's disappointing we we definitely hope that they're able to to do better going into the future uh but just such a mess right now um also a mess and 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 worth being talked about uh is the Kyrie Irving uh situation that's developed this week um he hasn't played in the past four games, I believe, for personal reasons, was sort of evasive about that, but it's come in the past 24 hours that um, uh, he was potentially at his at a club in New Jersey for his sister's 30th uh, birthday party, um, you know, video with, with, with no mask on and things like that. So that's worrisome. The league's investigating, seeing if he'll have to quarantine before he comes back to play um and i i don't know i'm not a big Kyrie irving fan so it's easy for me to throw him under the bus and kind of go what are you doing man you know your team was doing well now it's faltering and you're out i mean taking care of what you need to take care of family is important and all that but what what's going on um but adrian i think you sort of had a, a different heart than me so i'll let you sort of speak on what what your thoughts are yeah, so most of the time, I would m- most players in the NBA I don't generally hate on. Kyrie Irving, I, I've kind of disliked and and haven't been very nice to um, when I when I've used words to describe him in the past. But for once, I'm actually pretty sympathetic um, for his situation, how he is going about things. I don't, obviously none of us really truly know what the whole situation is. The only people that might know is, is the Nets organization, GM Sean Marks. Um, And I think they're still kind of trying to figure everything out. I think Kyrie has been very elusive. It seems like he's been very elusive with just about everybody who's tried to talk to him about it. Um, From my understanding, it looked like that he didn't want to play initially um i think this was the first game that he missed which was on the seventh um which was the day after the the riots in dc um 
so that was understandable. We didn't uh, do a podcast last week for the very same reason. Um, but since then, it, it's been he just keeps staying out and he keeps staying out. And we don't really know why, but it seems like this, this past year, really, there have been some questionable things. I mean, over his entire career, there's been some questionable things that Kyrie Irving's kind of said or brought up or or whatever. But this past year, especially mentally, he seemed a little unstable. Um, and so I'm not necessarily sure what the path is for the Nets or for Kyrie moving forward, but I'm going to be pretty sympathetic towards the situation until we know more. Um, because I don't, I don't want to assume something that that's not the case. Well, and see, I, I'm kind of, I'm smacked in the middle between the both of you. <clears throat> I have actually a pretty strong Kyrie defender in terms of his ridiculous nature. A lot of the time, just, you know, talking about obscure politics just to make people uncomfortable and, you know, just being odd in general. I don't, I don't like it, but I get he's just a meme lord. Sometimes it is what it is. You're, you, you love a sage burning uh, yeah. mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> you know that too, and you know, do what you got to do. I, it's, it's, he's a character. The problem I have with Kyrie is the most recent thing, and that's of course, like, how did the video get leaked? That's really weird. But like the fact that he's at an event, not taking it as seriously as he should. It doesn't matter there's an NBA player. If you're anywhere, especially in public, wear a damn mask. Like, oh my goodness. I don't I don't care how bad of a mental state you're in. You could be clinically depressed in, in the roughest state you've ever been in your life. Okay, well, wear a mask and be safe and treat others with respect. That's all I care about. I was proud of him in almost in a way that, you know, maybe it was a significant breakdown or something serious because i i don't know about y'all but after the news last week i wasn't very mentally well in terms of 100 percent for days um i especially was rough the the all of the next day i was in a bit of a pit i get it uh, you know i couldn't be in the out when all the cameras and the flashing lights the this country is in a rough place especially if you're a minority particularly black the last year has been one of the most horrific things you've had to deal with consistently every day of your life. You're scared and angry every day. And so I get him just saying, screw you. I'm going to take some time to myself because I'm a human being. That doesn't mean you can be irresponsible. You still have a job, not for the NBA, but you have a, a, a duty to your community and your family that he obviously didn't really take seriously. And that's the problem I have with the situation. That I think we can all definitely agree on too. Yeah. And I think I don't want to really harp on Kyrie anymore, but I do want to just say as someone who sort of overall views Kyrie negatively for the situation, obviously I'm supportive of him taking care of his, you know, his chickens and his mentals. Uh, like Marshawn Lynch would say, uh, especially after what happened last week in this past year that I fault him him absolutely not for and actually would sort of commend him for for recognizing that he needs that time to to take care of himself um but the rest of it will we'll kind of have to see what happens um with, at, moving forward in the nba still still on depressing topics another big story from the past week has been the and really for the past two weeks has been since the, the season started i mean yeah you, you go all the way back to training camp jonathan isaac Clay Thompson um, has been 
the slew of injuries as Adrian was yeah. alluding to. Um, Adrian, I'll let you read down the list because you you uh, cultivated it. But we've seen I don't remember this many big names this early in the season going down with significant injuries like this. Yeah, and I think it's it's mostly product of the NBA reboot in like three weeks. Like they had what two three weeks of preseason and like training camp work before the season started. Typically, they have like a month and a half. Um, and the, this, they were so, the, the NBA leadership was, was so inclined to get this season underway, uh, to kind of have a a fairly normal schedule, get it back on the like whole November to June, uh, timeline that not only has the, the COVID situation been insane, but the injuries that we've seen, especially to high usage players, star players, um, has has just been incredible most recently thomas bryant um of the washington wizards is out for the season with a torn acl markel fultz is done for the season russell westbrook has re-injured his quad again um so he's going to be out for at least a week maybe more one one slight good news thing Kristaps porzingis is finally back but he was going to play his his first game this past monday and then the Mavericks had to postpone their game um, because of COVID-19. So he couldn't play his first game back because, you know, when there's not injuries, there's COVID. Um, Darius Garland's going to be out for a couple of weeks. Bogdan Bogdanovich had a fracture in his leg. I forget which leg. I think it's the left one. Um, Killian Hayes is out for two months. Ja Morant's still out for three weeks. Clay Thompson, which we already mentioned, he got hurt in preseason. Marquise Chris is done for the season. TJ Warren's out for a month. Jaron Jackson Jr. is out for two weeks. And Zach Collins is out for two months. Um, Christ. <laughs> and I mean, those are only the names of players that most anyone who follows the NBA would recognize. There were probably the significant about, ones, too. There, yeah, there's there were, plenty there of pro- bang bangs. Yeah, there were probably about 15 to 20 more players that are, are bench players that you don't really like hear their name that much that I didn't put on this list uh, just for time's sake, but it's incredible. It's astonishing. We've, we've been in the NBA. What um, we, we, we started the season on the 22nd. So we've been in for like three and a half weeks and we have that many serious injuries. That's incredible. It's just the circumstances I guess we're in. And I just, I don't know. I hope, I'm crossing my fingers, knocking on all the wood, all that good stuff that this news and injury slowed down. But unfortunately, I don't think it will. Um, we have some more NBA stuff on the list. Uh, do y'all want to go through it real quick or should we save it for next week? No, um, I mean, I, we, can, we can roll through stuff really quickly. Um, all right. Well, I, well, I think I think we have on, on our little rundown – um, are the Warriors or Thunder a playoff team? I don't think either one is. Warriors are not. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think either one is. So that, that answers that real quick. Um, you are of the opinion, I think a lot of people are, that Bradley Beal needs to get out of Washington. I think that is bull. I think it, it's just a well, product me... of the early season. No, no, no. I, you can talk once I'm done. Uh, I yeah. think... Bradley yes. Beal needs to get out of Washington. No, are they two and eight? <laughs> yes. 
But is that a fault of Bradley Beal or or Russell Westbrook? I don't really think so. Yes. I, no. Uh, it they <laughs> don't have depth. They just lost Thomas Bryant, which is really unfortunate. And I don't. I think Scott Brooks is one of the worst coaches in the NBA. Um, they also don't play defense that well. Their their lineups aren't very good. So, are there reasons? For people to want Bradley Beal to get out of Washington, yes. But is it a fixable situation? Also, yes. Um, it, I, I, you I just, just think four good reasons he should get the hell out of there. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, um, I was going to say, and, and, and the main reason that I put that down there is because for the past two to three years, I have seen Bradley Beal. Last year, we saw him get snubbed from the All Star game uh, because he wasn't on a good team. This year, we saw him drop 60 points in a not even that close game. And I'm just so tired of not nothing against Wash, the Wizards organization, nothing against Russell Westbrook or anything like that. You know, Jonah might say otherwise, but I'm just want Bradley Beal to be at a a spot where he can get some recognition, some respect and, and get in the playoffs, get to somewhere where he can kind of elevate his his legacy because he deserves it i mean he just he really does he's a he's a great guy cool dude and he's just not going to go anywhere with washington and i don't want his career and his prime to fizzle and die out and him not get that chance i just don't see that happening when he's in washington and so it's nothing personal it's just i want that man to get into a better situation just give it a year just give it a year well, no, I don't think it's getting fixed next year either. I, just, I My problem is I don't know who could trade for him right now. He's an expensive asset. Um, you'd have to give up a ton. He's nearly deal. James Harden valuable. Like, yeah, and he's on a big contract. Um, it's hard, though, because like, in, in, that, in the same vein of James Harden, where I think it feels a little easier to trade to, I think he has a, a safer personality. Um, I think he James Harden – might need to be the second best option sometimes and he's not ever going to want that and i think brad beal's okay being the second option sometime um but hey i don't know i think he's stuck there um and i don't think it's getting fixed because i think we're at the twilight of Roe westbrook's career um in terms of true efficiency um no we were at the twilight of russell westbrook's career and true efficiency like two years ago three years ago yeah and he's only been getting worse but that's that's because he's he's had to take a lot of jump shots past couple years because he's been injured and i just really want him to sit out maybe half a season or something like that just just get through all of the injuries fully recover for once and then let's see if he's got anything left in his legs before you move on, I do want to interrupt you all with uh, uh, some breaking NFL news that's very relevant to what Jonah was talking about. Uh, as of 7.17 p.m. On, on Tuesday, January 12th, the Seahawks have just fired Brian, Brian Schottenheimer. Yeah, so, hey, I'm just saying I know my foosball, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. Randy Finkner's going to be not far behind, I, don't, I also think. I think the Steelers' OC is also going to be gone soon, so. But I, I, I think um, we can hold off on the Bulls, which which we definitely want to talk about Zach Levine and Kobe White. We all love Kobe White. Um, we all like to see LaMelo Ball. He's thriving in Charlotte alongside Gordon Hayward. 
Um, I don't want to talk about that right now. What I will say is I have a, a very good friend I would like to bring on the pod, maybe as a guest soon, to discuss Hornets basketball because he's excited. And I think we're all pretty excited about the Hornets, ba- Hornets basketball, which is not something I expected to say this early. So is that I Nick? That, Are we talking Nick? Bullock? Yeah, I'm think I think Nick Bullock uh, deserves a spot to shine and uh, be the country bumpkin, beautiful man that he is, um, <laughs> and uh, run through this podcast and just be outstanding. I think me and him are both gonna we're gonna have to see who can tamper down whose expectations. So I'm just saying the Hornets need a whole spot in our podcast right now because they're doing something. Yep, good things are brewing sure. in Charlotte. Uh, good things are brewing for this podcast, I think. Absolutely. But uh, I think that'll do it for for us this week uh, for our professional section of the pod. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at flight underscore pod. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, stay safe on there and we will see you later this week.